0: Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and welcome to Truth Quest Podcast. This is our Q&A where we look at questions through the lens of Scripture. Our desire is to know what God's Word says so we can know what to believe. This is part of the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of Tucson. If you have questions about our last teachings, then you can ask them here and get some clarification. Also, you can ask questions about the Bible, Christianity, nuances on the Christian life, uh, apologetics, difficult passages, any of those things uh, we would take here today. It's good to see you. Our first question comes from Our first question comes from a question that was left last week at the end of our Q&A. And the question was about an inner struggle. Asked specifically, if if I'm nice to God, if I do things right with God, but I'm not nice with people, is that okay? And then they added, this is an inner struggle I have. And I'm reminded of what the Bible says in the book of Galatians that if you walk in the spirit you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the spirit battles against the flesh and the flesh battles against the spirit. And this is a struggle that each one of us has. We all have that battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. There's not a person on earth who doesn't. But what we want to do is get our actions in line with what the Bible tells us how God wants us to live. And that's not as easy as the will. The very things I want to do, Paul said I don't do, and the very things I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. And so how do we do that? Well, first of all, we've got to understand what God wants. So in the area of being right with God, but treating people poorly, Jesus said the two greatest commandments are these, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And these are both passages out of the Old Testament. But these are the two greatest commandments. If I love God and love people, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And this is the breakup of the Ten Commandments as well. The first four having to do with my relationship with God and the last six having to do with the relationship with people around you. And so we want to love God and love people. Now that's not always easy to do. For one thing, we love ourselves, and we become selfish, and we don't end up loving people the way that we should. Instead, we're, we do things out of selfish ambition. And so, there's this battle, the struggle that goes on. The spirit and the, the flesh fighting inside of me. And again, every Christian has that. The person who says, I've arrived, I don't struggle like that anymore, I don't have any of those kind of struggles, is just not an honest person. We know we have this struggle, but the best way to let the Spirit win, the Spirit fighting against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit, is to walk by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you know you're struggling and you need to get some things out of your life and God's convicting you, and this isn't uncommon, oftentimes this is the case with most Christians. There's things God's convicting them about that they need to do better, the way they're interacting with people, the things that they say. And we want to have a tender heart towards the work of the Spirit in trying to correct us. And so there's a couple of things that we can do to make sure that we're getting those things out of our lives or into our lives that the Holy Spirit is convicting us about. For example, you could pray that you don't enter into temptation. That's what Jesus told Peter when Peter was going to be tempted, that he would Uh, that he would deny him. Pray that you don't enter into temptation when he was in the garden with him. Prayer, God, I'm struggling in this area. Help me. Lord, I'm just, I really bummed out that I'm not nice to people and I see uh, I'm so convicted at your word, which tells me to love everybody and to, to love my neighbor as myself. And so help me with this. And you know you struggle with it. And so you pray with it about it every day. and Seeking God. The next is to walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, if I endeavor to walk in the Spirit, and here's a sure way to not walk in the Spirit. I'm gonna walk in the Spirit the rest of my life, from this point on. Instead, you just say, I wanna walk in the Spirit now. I wanna walk in the Spirit for this next hour that we're having these conversations, that we're answering questions. I wanna walk in the Spirit today. And then I want to walk in the Spirit more tomorrow than I am today. And so on and so forth. And I believe that we will get to the point where we find ourselves getting those things out of our lives. And from experience, when you start getting things out of your lives and the Holy Spirit continues to convict you and show you what He wants you to grow in, I think that we don't understand how much wickedness there is inside of us and how holy and pure God is. And the closer we get together, the closer and God stays the same and we move towards Him, the closer we move towards Him, the more we realize that we need. And so we continue to get convictions by the Spirit. But hopefully as a mature believer, which is where we want to be, we don't want to be carnal, we don't want to be a baby forever, we want to be a mature believer, then when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we begin to know, what do I need to do in order to handle this? Flee temptation. Um, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Walk in the spirit and you won't you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Abide in the vine and let God's word abide in you. We've got to know those truths within the word of God, but then we've got to pray about them that we don't enter into t- temptation. Because I would rather fight that struggle that goes on inside of me on the temptation level. I'd rather be praying that I wouldn't be tempted. Because if I'm not tempted, then I'm not giving into it. All right. So, to answer the question directly, no, it's not okay that you're right with God but you're treating people mean. You demonstrate the love that you have for God by loving him and loving the people around you. You got to you got to be right. Righteousness is not only being right with God, but being right with people around you. And so the Bible says, be at peace with all men as much as it concerns you. The Bible says, give honor where honor is due. The Bible says, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's sake has forgiven you. It says, if anyone's in sin, go to them gently and restore them. It says, the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. It's full of all kinds of directions as to the way that we are supposed to interact with one another. We can be direct, but we can be gentle, and we can be loving, and we can really make a difference. But as far as that inner battle goes, of the things that you want to do and don't want to do, uh, all of us have it, every single one of us. All right. So thank you very much. Um, We have a question from Paul McGuire. Paul says. Question. How do you feel about CBT containing no THC? I saw a video of kids stopping seizures attacks instantly when given. It also helps with pain management. CBD by itself has no psychedelic effects. Uh, I have no problem with any drug that has gone through trials that is used in order to help. And so, if CBD stops kids having seizures. That's also how they found, they discovered the, um, um, not the Atkins diet, but the um, keto diet. Was getting all carbs out of kids and, and starting to give them more fat. That they found that kids stopped having seizures as well. So yeah, there may be health benefits with CBD. I am concerned that it might be overstated. And, and this is just, people will try to sell anything right? They're going to make money on anything. So, they may mark it up. Um, there may be a multi-level marketing CBD sales that someone has. Um, so, those are the kind of things. But if there's trials and kids are not having seizures by taking CBD, then how would that be any different than taking Tylenol for a headache or taking insulin if you're a diabetic or taking any other any other drug that there may be to help with whatever situation that you might have going on in your life, um, I um, absolutely, absolutely fine, absolutely fine, no problem at all um, with that. All right. So thank you very much, Paul, for your question. I do appreciate it. It's good to see you guys on here. Somehow my counter has died here on um, my. I got my. I fixed a lot of other things today and my counter's not working, so I don't have any idea how many of you guys are on, but I see that there are quite a few of you uh, that are here. Another thing that I think I've got working is some of my sound effects. Now, these might be a little bit dorky, um, but uh, I just want to kind of play a couple of them, and then you guys let me know, um, put some, I don't don't know, just, yes, sound working or sound not working or a thumbs up or a thumbs down uh, for these sounds, all right? So I've got four of them hooked up. Like I said, they may be a little bit dorky, and the first one is... So it's like, you know, somebody says something bad and it's like, really? Really? Also, I got a couple other ones here. That's the air horn, the DJ air horn. I'm not even sure I'm ever going to use these, although I might use this one. Somebody tells a joke. Get a little bit of that. And then, uh, finally, um, what are you, a clown? Okay, now, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh, if you hear them or not, alright? Not if you like them or not now, because I know those things can be pretty dorky and uh, maybe way, way overused, but I just kind of wanted to get everything working in the studio here and see what it is. So, we have a question from Jari. Uh, Jari says, um, If angels neither marry, um, neither male, if angels are neither, neither male or female, how can they procreate and produce the Nephilim if they are spirits? Sure, uh, they aren't just the sons of Seth and not Cain. Thanks, someone else asked this. Yeah, thanks, Jari. I appreciate that. So, yeah, here's, these are the two views, right? That the sons of God are angels that didn't keep their former place, that didn't keep their former abode, and that uh, found themse- uh, didn't get to find themselves, um, didn't keep their proper abode, looked upon women, loved, uh, saw they were beautiful, and ended up marrying them. And I'm just looking at something here real quick. And, um, let me just see. I want to see if I can get, yeah, there it is. Okay. And one verse that makes us think that this could be angels is out of uh, 1 Peter 3, 19 and 20. And this is, again, New Testament, 1 Peter 3, 19 and 20. I put this up on the screen for you here. It says, by whom also he went to preach to the spirits in prison. Now this would have been Jesus during the three days that he was, during the time that he was in the grave. They were formerly disobedient when once divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in a few, that is, eight souls were saved from water. So there were spirits that were kept imprisoned that he went and preached to who were formerly disobedient during the days of Noah. Now if you go to Jude 1.6 it says um, and the angels who did not keep their proper dominion left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment of the great day. So, who, what angels did not keep their proper dominion? And then, if you look at Second 2 Peter 2:4, 2, it says, "If God did not spare angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell." I think that word is Tartarus there, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And then it goes on to say, how much more is he going to, you know, deal with us if he doesn't? If he didn't spare angels who did. Now, the question then becomes, well, if Mary, angels don't marry or, or remarry, how can they have children? Um, angels, and, and the answer to this is I don't know, but there's a few suggestions. So let me take a look at this. Uh, first of all. Angels can manifest themselves as humans because they are ministering spirits and some have entertained angels unaware. So can they manifest a complete human body has been the question. Maybe. Some have thought not possible at all. Pretty frightening if you think about it. Uh, Could this be a demon-possessed person? And that somehow, genetically, things change. A lot of changes when a person is demon-possessed. So did God possess someone and then they go down and marry women? And was it a possessed person who did this? I don't see any evidence, and I, I like to be evidence-based. I mean, I'm, I'm open to being wrong here, Jari. I don't see any evidence that the Nephilim are the descendants of Seth. First of all, I would say, where did the Bible ever say that the descendants of Seth couldn't intermarry with the descendants of Cain? There was a, a mark put on Cain and he was sent out, but they were all, all humans. And where was there ever any kind of a statement? Now if there is, let me know, but I, I don't know about it. And I've asked this question to those who hold this view. And then I've also asked, well, why, what, what's the problem? First of all, there, there's nothing in the Bible that forbids it. Secondly, what's the problem if if a man from Seth marries a woman from Cain? And the answer is to keep keep the bloodline pure for the Messiah. But the Messiah's bloodline doesn't matter until you get to until you get to to uh, Abraham. And so it just doesn't make sense to me. And you got Noah and his family, and so. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It seems that the best explanation, if you're going by the Bible, and is it weird? Yes. That women would look upon, or that angels, fallen angels would look upon women, love them, leave their former abode, marry them and have children. That would be the Nephilim. Does it sound weird? Yes. But the Bible's full of a lot of things that sound weird. And the spiritual world, we want to simplify it, I think, but it's much more complicated than we possibly think. And so I am prone to, to say that these sons of God uh, were indeed um, were indeed angels. In Job it says the sons of God were numbered among before God and Satan was among them. And, and someone pointed out recently, well, that wasn't necessarily angels. But then it says in um, Job 38, I think, 37 or 38, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world and the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? So who were the sons of God? that shouted for joy before the foundations of the world, one thing I know is that they weren't the line of Seth. They, they, they look like they were angels and not, but they cannot be the line of Seth. So to try to say that the sons of God is a reference to the line of Seth and, and, and where is any kind of biblical evidence for that? To me, this seems like, and I'm not trying to be insulting here, it seems like an ad hoc argument. Like you're just trying to figure out a way that this verse isn't saying what it plainly says. And so you say, oh, no, no, this is the line of Seth intermarrying with the line of Cain. So I think that that is problematic. Um, Could it have been a demon possessed, you know, demons possessing men and marrying women? Could it have been them presenting themselves as people and fully as men? And would have been fully functional? Maybe. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time thinking about it, but that's possible. So, yeah, all right. So thanks, Jari. That's always an interesting one, and it's always one that keeps coming back around again and again. I read that passage today, by the way, where Jesus says um, to the to the Sadducees that angels, um, you are mistaken because you don't know the power of God nor the Scriptures. Remember, they told him that story about the seven brothers, the Leverite law. That's the law, not Levite, but the Leverite law of, of uh, brothers that would marry a sister to have a child. For his brother, because God was wanting to keep the land and the family, and they told the story of seven brothers that had the same wife, and all of them died without children. And then in heaven, whose a wife would she be? And he said, "You, Aaron, that you don't know the you don't know the scriptures, or the the power of God, nor the scriptures." And then he went on to say that angels don't marry and aren't given in marriage. So that's where we think, well, here if they're not don't marry and given in marriage, then they don't procreate. Then, then why would they have any kind of sexual organs? And then on top of that, um, he went on to say that I God said, and he went back to the first five books of the Pentateuch because the Sadducees didn't believe only believed in the first five books of the Pentateuch. And for that reason, they didn't see the resurrection in there. And so Jesus went back to the first five books of the Pentateuch to prove the resurrection to them. When he said, God said to Abraham, or uh, God said to Jacob, no, that God said to that God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, he is the God of the living and not of the dead. So, great verse. Um, I appreciate your question, Jari. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Rod says, it seems as soon as we start walking in the spirit, something shocks us. And and uh, like someone cutting us off in traffic and we blow it. Yeah, it is, um, there is a constant battle going on, right? There, there's a spiritual battle going on. I think the enemy doesn't want us walking in the spirit. But also, those opportunities give us a chance to be able to walk in the spirit more. I'm not saying I'm any better at handling them than you are, um, Rod, but it really is true that, when something like that happens, it gives us an opportunity to be able to walk in the Spirit. Um, all right. Um, good to see you on here. Good to see you, Tyler. Good to see you join us. If, you have a, if you're have, if you new here, you have a question, you can write out the word question and then write your question afterwards. Reread it a couple of times. Make sure that it makes sense. And then we'll go ahead and take your question. Um, we have a question from Sally. So, Sally says, and Sally, I think it's first time here with us. Good to see you. Sally says, how best can we make ourselves ready to be prepared for the soon return of the Lord? Please, Pastor Robert. Um, thanks, Sally. I appreciate that. Uh, how can we best make ourselves ready for the soon return of Christ? <sighs> that is to have oil in our lamp. Right? So, Jesus told the parable of the ten virgins. Five of them didn't have oil in their lamp, five of them dead. When the groom returned, the five who didn't have oil in their lamp, it was too late. They tried to go buy some. They couldn't get it. It was too late for them. They, uh, you have to have your oil in your lamp all of the time. Well, what is the oil that's in your lamp? It's the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? It's what ha- you're baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So you need to make sure that you're genuinely saved. That's First because those who are not genuinely be saved are going to be left behind, to use a coin of phrase. But the oil in the lamp is salvation. It's not partial, the partial rapture, it's not carnality, it's not any of those things. However, when Christ returns, we want to be living a life that is right with him, glorifying him, because we don't know when he returns. We certainly don't want to be living a life of sin and have some unconfessed, unrepentant sin in our lives when he returns. He says, when a servant says, my Lord delays his coming, then he begins to do wicked things and he comes back and finds him doing the wicked things. Therefore, be ready because you don't know when I'm going to return. And that's the point. We don't know when he's going to return. So we want to make sure that we're right. He could return soon. I agree. Everything seems to be coming together. Israel is a nation again. There's the, the, uh, an alliance with the, the um, with the countries that the Bible says there's going to be an alliance with. Things are getting worse and worse, not better and better. And, Jesus, and um, both Daniel and Revelation said the filthy are going to get filthy and the righteous are going to get more righteous. The wicked are going to do more wicked and the righteous are going to do more righteousness. And things are going to continue uh, to get worse and worse. And so, yeah, I do think it looks like that, but it could be a long time before the Lord returns. Because God desires all to be saved and all to come to the knowledge of the truth, and all of us do. And so, we want to live our lives for Christ, and when he returns, that we don't find our place in ourselves in a place that we shouldn't be. Remember, the Bible says, all who practice these things will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's the, the, the lust of the flesh. So, it doesn't mean that someone doesn't have a struggle with a part of their flesh, but you don't want to be practicing those things. Thank you very much for your question, Sally. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Um, So, ah, let's see. Ah, we have another question from Dan. Dan joins us from Facebook. Dan says, Pastor, many blessings to you. My question is fairly simple. Since coming back into my walk with Christ, I've been having enhanced means of seeing danger and or problems before they happen. Is that God's protection? Is it God's grace protecting me? What do you think it is? Thanks, Dan. I appreciate your question. Um, huh. I, um I don't know. I, I have a few suggestions of what it could be. I think you've got it right. It may be God's protection. There have been a few times in my life that I've been prompted by God to do some, I believe by God to do some things. And and note the way I say it, Dan. I believe I was prompted by God. That leaves room for me to be wrong. Because sometimes I'm wrong. (laughs) But there have been times in my life where I've been prompted to do something and I do them uh, particularly to clean up some financial areas of my life in the past. And I really feel prompted by God. I felt prompted by God to do it. This is 20 years ago. And um, I did it. I cleaned them up, took me some time to do it. And then right after that, there was something major that happened in our lives. And I look back at it and I think, man, I felt I was prompted by the Lord. And had I not done that, it would this would have been a lot worse for us. But because I, I cleaned those things up, and now, was that God warning me? Was that a gift of the Spirit? Was that discernment? Um, I don't know. I believe it. And I can tell you by faith, I did it. And so if you believe that something is what God told you to do, you if you, if you don't do it, if you're, it's sin. If you do it by faith, then you're doing it. And then you're by faith. And there could be blessings that would come because you're doing what you believe God has told you to do. So, if, if God told me to clean, if I felt God told me to clean up my finances, and he didn't really tell me, that was just me having some intuition or looking at my finances and going, they're a mess, I need to clean them up. And so, then something happened, and I was in a much better shape because I did that. Now, by faith, I believed I heard from God, and so I did it, and there were benefits in it. Now, if by faith God is asking you to do something that isn't good, I mean, he's not going to tell you to do something that good. It's always going to be something that is biblical. Um, uh, Warning you of dangers. I don't know what kind of examples you're talking about here. Um, But I do believe God protects the saints. And I do hear of God doing things, people's testimonies. I've got things in my life that I believe that God protected me supernaturally. So why couldn't God do that? Um, is it God's grace protecting me? Sure, it could be. Um, what do you think it is? Uh, it could be a gift. I would just be just be, be humble and um, look at how it works in your life. Watch it how it works in your life. Watch it what's being done. Don't start thinking that you're someone special because God gives you some intuition about something or or allows you to have some kind of a gift that allows you to be able to know something that you shouldn't know, so that would be the gift of knowledge we're talking about. Uh, we want to walk humble. It's God that gives the gift anyway and not us, right? Um, but I would just see how it works. And, you know, through a matter of use, if you feel like God's telling you something or warning you about something, then by faith, heed that warning. And you might be able to tell if it's true or not a little bit later on, but maybe not. Okay? Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Um, This is something we all need to learn how to walk with God, how to hear his, His voice to us. I do believe that God speaks to us, not just through His Word. There are those that believe that God only speaks to us through His Word. But if He only speaks through His Word, He's got to somehow, by His Spirit, move on those scriptures and apply them to our hearts. So, He's doing something supernatural even with the printed page and applying it to my heart. And I do believe that God does speak to us and does move in supernatural ways today. Um, And um, we can talk more about that as well. There certainly are those who do not. All right. And some that may surprise you who don't. So, fact check these hands says, Recently I read John MacArthur's, oh, let me put this on the screen. Uh, Thanks, fact check these hands. Um, Recently I read John MacArthur's note in my study Bible in Revelation. He says, marriage supper is not going to be an actual feast. I was hoping to eat. Your thoughts? My thoughts are, I don't know how John MacArthur would know, and I don't know how I would know. Could the marriage supper of the Lamb be a metaphor? Sure. Is there any reason for us to think it's a metaphor? I don't know of any. And I don't know if in his study he gave any to to make it a metaphor. I find that sometimes, and and all pastors, preachers, are guilty of this at one time or another, becoming dogmatic about something when you don't need to be dogmatic. And being dogmatic is a sure way to be wrong. Because you're putting yourself into a corner where you could leave things open. You you can say the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's... It's a rejoicing event of the bride being brought up into His presence. Jesus ate meals with His disciples. We're going to have bodies like Jesus. So what makes us think that it's not real? So I would. Here's how I would handle this. Uh, fact check these hands. I would handle it by saying, uh, I'm going to first of all kind of think of it as a marriage supper, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're His bride, and it's a it's a celebration. That we are now with Him, our Bride, and we are His Church, uh, made holy and pure by Him, and that it's a marriage supper. And if I find a verse, if somebody points out a verse that tells me that that's not the case, then I will no longer believe that. So that's kind of the way I take it. Um, it's not good enough for me or anybody else to say this is what I think it says. I'm. I'm. This is. People say it's this, but it's not. If they don't have anything to back it up, we've got to have we've, we've got to go by what the scriptures say and not by just what we think. All right. So uh, thank you. Uh, fact check these hands. I appreciate that. Uh, it's um, again good to see you here. If you're here for us for the first time, I see a few people that I think are here with us for the first time. Um. Yeah. Let me bring this in here. We have um, a question from Mark. Mark joins us and says, "Um, I'm a high school teacher. How can I share the word and still keep my job? We're not allowed to pray with kids. Neither are we allowed to explain to them why Jesus is the way. Yeah, this isn't a question about the times that we live in, huh? And schools even going further than that. So here's what I think of Mark they can't stop you from living for Christ. They can't stop you from saying praise God when there's a good report. They they can't stop you from being kind and tender-hearted and loving or sharing your faith outside of your classroom. Now, if you go... If God, if God tells you to share your faith in your classroom, then you got to share it. And this is what Peter and John say to the Sanhedrin when they say, is it better for us to obey God or man? You be the judge, Well, we're going to obey God. Then they went back and prayed that they would be given boldness because they were being going to be warned. They were going to be beaten. So if the rules say that you're going to lose your job, if you share the word, then if you're going to push that envelope, then you've got to be ready for the consequences. Because they've said, don't don't share it here. Now, can you handle that with your faith? If not, then I would say, find another job. Do what you've got to do to find a job that you can share Christ wherever, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. If it's something that you can do. If you believe that living for Christ as a living witness, um, who was it who said do the best that you can to live for Christ, Um, use words if necessary, or to to share Christ, use words if necessary. So, I'm just going to read through your question here again. I'm a high school teacher. How can I share the word and still keep my job? Um, So, there may be subtle ways in which you can do that without saying the Bible says you're sharing biblical truth. You don't always have to say it says in the Bible or Jesus says this in order to share share biblical truth. There there may be a way to do that. Um, you, you're you going to push that envelope, though. You're taking a, a a chance of losing your job. Now, you might not be able to pray with the kids, but you can pray for the kids. And they can't stop you from doing that. You can pray for the kids while you're in the classroom. Something that you're doing, do it inwardly. Do it in your heart. Pray for each one of them. Pray pray for your kids daily. They can't stop that from happening. They can't stop the influence that you're gonna have as a Christian in their lives, even though they can try. And as I said, this is the day we're living in and we're gonna see more and more of this kind of persecution. Um, Pastors may even be told what they can and cannot say. There's a very real danger in California that if a pastor, that laws could be passed, That if a pastor does not marry a gay couple, then he could be thrown in jail. He could get jail time. He could get a fine. So that's going to come down to, you know what? I'm going to obey God. But there's consequences. And then when there are consequences, we rejoice. And so if you feel God's telling you to share your faith and you share your faith, and now you're you're pushing the envelope and now you get fired because of it, then you could say, well, I got fired because I was sharing my faith. But you can't say you didn't know it. And if you're going to share your faith and get fired to make a point, you're like, this is a wrong rule and a law, so I'm going to share my faith and I'm going to get fired. Well, then I respect that because you're willing to get fired for sharing your faith. You know what the guidelines are. But they can't stop you from being in their lives spiritually because prayer is incredibly powerful and you can pray with them. Uh, There are certain ways that you can let them know that you are a Christian. Um, You can't share the word with them. Can they, is it discrimination against you that at some point you can't be sharing something and go, I'm a Christian and I was in church and this happened as an illustration of what you're teaching? I don't know. These These are questions that I have. Um, it, they, can is it discrimination against you that as a Christian you can't say I'm a Christian? I'd really like to know that, Mark. If you want to add that in a little bit later on. By the way, did you guys hear the sounds? I didn't. Uh, I haven't seen anything about it yet. You guys don't care about the sounds. <laughs> I don't care that much about them either. I just want to know if it's working. All right. So if you guys heard them, maybe I'll just keep on playing this one until until you guys tell me whether or not you're hearing it. All right. So that's, that's that noise because I haven't had anybody tell me whether or not they're hearing the sounds. All right, Mark, I hope that's helpful. Um, give me a little bit more information if you can. Um, I would say you let them know you're a Christian, uh, you pray for them, um, and you live your life in a positive way. You live Christ, you, you treat them with respect and, and the love of Christ, and they're going to know a Christian and the way you conducted yourself. And I think that will make a difference in the future. Okay. Thank you very much for your question. I really appreciated it. Um, Okay, Fox says, question. Then a bunch of question marks. Okay. Thank you. Um, So, um, we have a follow-up question from Paul McGuire. Follow-up on a question about oil lamp burning in the Holy Spirit. Can we be sealed with the Holy Spirit, but our sins break that seal and we lose the Holy Spirit. So this is a perseverance of the saints question. Can you lose your salvation once you are genuinely saved? And this is, this is an area I lean one way or another. Because there are certain passages in the Bible that I read that seem to say clearly that if you go back to the world that you are losing your salvation. Then there's other passages that seem to say that we are kept by God through our faith, but we're kept by God. And how is God not gonna keep us? And how is God not gonna be able to do a work inside of me to reveal it before I get to the place where I actually lose my salvation? or leave my salvation? And so it really becomes a question for that. Um, now because I lean towards you can't lose your salvation. That's the way I lean. Doesn't mean I might not fully go the other way if I get enough scriptures that say it. I just find passages in the Bible that talk about security and find passages in the Bible that talk about dangers and warnings. And And so I just can't out of good conscience go one way or another with it. I've got to think that somehow they're both working together, uh, one of them being the truth. I mean, either you can or you can't. Maybe you can lose your salvation, but it's very, very difficult to. These are areas that I haven't gotten completely worked out, and I don't know if I ever really will. I mean, I've been studying the, I've been studying the Bible a long time, and I've looked up passages on this topic and really poured into it and still find myself... Just leaning towards you can't lose your salvation. That's the way I'm leaning. You know, I, I, I just, and the reason I lean that way is just kind of look at God's faithfulness and that he put a seal on you. And can we sin enough to break that seal in our lives? Um, I lean towards not, Paul. But I also would not be brazenly sinful. I'm a Christian. I'm a genuine Christian. I have, I have a walk with Christ. I love him. And so I'm going to go ahead and go out here and sin. Uh, What does it say in, um, is it 1 John 2, 3? Let me pull up my Bible here. I think it is. Let me see if I can find this passage really quick. If not, I'll quote it to you. But um, I think this is it. Yeah, this is it. All right, so let me just put this on the screen for you. And um, here it says, By this we know that we know him. So, we're talking about assurance with this passage and and we get a lot of questions on how do I know I'm saved? Well, here it is. By this we know that we know Him and knowing Him is eternal life. Jesus said this in John 17, 3 is that, um, and this is eternal life. He said that you know Him and the one true Son who He sent. So, you know God and the Son who He sent. You know Him. You have a relationship with Him. You know Him. By this we know we know Him. Well, how do I know I know Him? If we keep His commandments. So, if you go, I'm saved and I can't lose my salvation. I'm going to go out here and I'm just going to live this sinful lifestyle. Then you don't know you know him because you're not keeping his commandments. It goes on to say, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's That's a double down. You're a liar and the truth ain't in you. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk as he walked. Now again, this is an assurance passage. This tells us, this is a way that I can look at my life. Do I keep the commandments of God? Now my answer to that is not always. And there's there's several reasons for that. Sometimes it might just be, I'm going through life and and, and like Rod said earlier, the car pulls in front of me and I'm like, yeah, jerk, what'd you do, you know, and I get upset. I'm more likely to get angry, not when someone cuts me off. But when someone cuts me off and then gets angry at me, gives me creative hand signs and starts yelling at me. And I'm like, you're the one who cut me off. I'm, I'm more likely to get my flesh there. But there's none of us that don't sin. But we keep God's commandments and we don't practice sin. And so we're in that struggle. The spirit battling against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. But we are keeping his commandments. And this seems to me to be a pretty clear way for us to know this assurance. So, I've I've always said of this argument as well, Paul, uh, that it doesn't matter. That whether or not a person can lose their salvation is it's an argument that just does not matter and should not be fought out. Why? Because if someone says, I made a commitment to Christ and then they become a Satan worshiper, this has been my analogy forever, I'm going to stick with it, okay? Nobody says that Satan worshipper is saved. People who say he was genuinely saved are going to say he wasn't genuinely saved he became or he wouldn't have become a Satan worshipper. Those who say that you can lose your salvation will say he lost his salvation He became a Satan worshipper. You've still got the Satan worshipper being unsaved and needing God. Now let's take this down to something a little bit more practical. So you got a Christian. He's on fire, he loves the Lord, serving God, Uh, been used by God in the church. Meets a girl, not a Christian, decides to go on a missionary dating program. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked, but he says instead, let me get these scriptures down now. Uh, He says instead, uh, I'm going to do this because, you know what, God's called me to be a missionary and I can missionary date. And so he starts dating this non-believer they begin to get involved physically. And before you know it, they're involved sexually. And he's now in a regular sexual relationship with this non-believing woman. And when someone confronts him and says, listen, you shouldn't be living with that gal or you shouldn't be in a sexual relationship with that gal. And he says, no, it's okay. You know what, we're okay, it's it's love, and it's true love, and so we're okay. Or whatever people say. Listen, we can be in a relationship because it's love. It's nothing but love, and love is okay. No. <laughs> love, making love is not okay if you're not married. So, this person refuses to repent. And he's going to continue to live with this gal and continue to have sex with her. No one says he's saved. The people who would say that you can't lose your salvation would say he would have never have done that. He would have never have, have started a sexual relationship with this gal and then moved in with this gal unless he w- um, wasn't a Christian. He's gone out from us because he was never part of us. That's a, that's a verse they would use. The other side's going to say, well, he was a Christian, but he lost his salvation. Either way, you've got a guy living in sin here. What does it say? If any of you is caught in sin, let those of you who are spiritual go to such a one in all gentleness and restore them. So, this person needs to be restored. And that should be where our, our the emphasis lays. Not on arguing whether or not you can lose your salvation. And that's why I think, Paul, that this being a leaning um, doctrine is not a problem. I lean towards you can't lose it. But everybody says the same thing. About the person that is out living in a way that they should not be living, so the the argument itself does not matter. I have a um I have a whole teaching I um I mean a video I got a fifteen minute video on why uh, can you lose your salvation doesn't matter and I and I talk about all of those things. All right, so I'm seeing um, Mark's question on here again twice. Sometimes it seems like Facebook does that. That's interesting. Um. Again, good to see you guys here. Um, yeah, I love um, I love Frank Turek as well. Um, I'm excited about, um put this up here, um, I'm excited about him coming um, for the Unshaken Conference in September. If you guys don't know about that, it'll be at our church September, I think it's 23rd. It's a Saturday from 8 till 530. Um, Natasha Crane, Alisa Childers, and Frank Turek will all be there. Um, Frank will also be speaking for me in December on Sunday morning all right um so she says I have a question about an atheist uh, is the work he is doing setting uh setting seeds or do they rebel worse isn't it great that they are even watching him and communicating yeah and I yeah I know I don't think there's any way that it's it's making matters worse I think if anything what he's doing is taking These new atheists that are so condescending and have made Christians feel so bad and helping Christians understand you don't have to feel bad about what these people are saying to you because they're not making sense. What they're telling you is not the truth and they themselves are living double standards because they're believing all kinds of things and then mocking you for believing when, when they don't have evidence and his stuff shows that. So, no, I don't think he's making matters worse. I think if anything, there are those that can see it that are really trying to think it through, they may honestly be touched by it and and may honestly be helped by it. Alright, so, and you're welcome Sally for answering your question. Um, oh, not your first time here? Alright, well it's good to have you back again anyway. Alright, and uh, Sally can you hear the sounds? I'm just wondering. I haven't had anybody tell me I can hear them yet. Um, maybe, again, no one absolutely cares about it. Um, just. Type in right now. Somebody type in right now. I'm going to go to the end of the questions here in a minute and see whether or not um, you can hear the sounds. All right? i um, I'm, I'm just going to stick with this. Okay? I want to know. All right, Luke 18. Is the Lord talking about the rapture and the second coming? Uh, oh, Luke 18.8. Sorry. Luke 18.8 is the... Um, let me bring this on for you, Kimberly. Uh, Empress Kimberly says, Luke 18.8. Is the Lord talking about the rapture and the second coming? It, he is talking about about um, evangelizing his elect, church or Jews or both. Well, let's go there. I'm not quite sure what you're asking. I'll probably be clarified when I look at the passage here, Matthew 8:18, 8, right? No, 18:8, 18, 18:8. 8. 18, 8. Okay. Whew. You sure that's the right passage? <laughs> Matthew 18:8. I'll put it up here. I I don't think it is. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off from you. It is better for you to go and enter into the life of the lame rather than having two hands and feet and be cast into everlasting fire. All right, I'm just going to assume that that's the right question that you're having. Is he talking about the rapture? No. Uh, It could include the rapture. But he's talking about uh, how it is that you live. So, if you... You know, if you go, I'm going to continue to live this sinful lifestyle. He's saying, cut it off, get rid of it. Go to extremes to get rid of it because you're going to be separated for all of eternity and it's better for you to sacrifice here and now than then. Now, here's the the deal. Better for you to go into eternal life without a hand, but there's no lame in in heaven. Everything's restored completely and totally. So, he's talking in a metaphorical sense here, right? We all know he's not talking about chopping off hands. Or plucking out eyes. He's talking about going to an extreme to make sure that you get some sinful behavior out of your life. Do whatever you've got to do. So, I've I, i I've known people who will not have a computer. Because it's a struggle for them. They're looking at things they shouldn't look at. And so, they just won't have one. Say so they've just gone to the point of saying having a computer in my life isn't as important as this, and so I'll do whatever I'm doing, and that's cutting it off. That's doing what you got to do to cut it off to make sure that you're obtaining salvation. And again, salvation is not based upon works, but you're going to be convicted and you're going to get those things out of your life. That's why the guy that we used this analogy before, who's now having a sexual relationship and living with a gal, that. God's going to convict him of that if he's genuinely Christian and bring him back, or at least um, convict him of it while he's while he's living there and convict him of it strongly. He's not going to continue continue to go on in that sin. All right. So let me go back and make sure I got that. I think that's it. Um, Jews or church or both? Um, yeah, both. No Jew or Gentile. anybody anybody who's walking with Christ. Yeah, and go to extremes, do whatever you got to do to get rid of certain things in your life that may be controlling you. By the way, I don't know if you guys can read this. This is a Reach Radio Cup. If you live in Tucson, bad focus. If you live in Tucson, 106.7 Reach Radio. Um, it's uh, Calvary Tucson's radio station. Got a lot of good teachers um, that are on there. Uh, we just got Gary Hamrick on at 6 a.m., So, if you've never listened to Gary Hamrick, great teacher, Um, Calvary Chapel in uh, Virginia. No, no, Cornerstone, it's a Calvary Chapel, but Cornerstone in Virginia, uh, Gary Hamrick, and you can listen to him. So, um, I felt strongly before about the danger and did not listen and suffered. Yeah, I I think God does talk to us and, and, and give us checks in the spirit. I think those things are true and real. Um, I was challenged here recently by someone to find a passages that would say that God does interact with us. And I, I look back at Peter and saying Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus saying, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And I just can't think that that God is not speaking to us. And so it's an area that I'm really looking into now, but I do believe that God does speak to us. All right? So my, my, my guess is you guys aren't hearing the sounds. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um, all right? Uh, that's, that's my guess. You guys, if you're not hearing, if you do not hear this, then let me know. Okay, if you don't hear that, let's go that way. If you, don't, if you don't hear this, let me know. All right, I'm just wanting to know if these sounds are working now. That's all. All right. Um, okay, so um, if you're new here, really glad to have you here. We take questions uh, about the Bible and about the Christian life and seek to live by what uh, the Word of God says um so a little conversation about Christian schools here thank you Dan for um for that I appreciate that um yeah so Paul's wondering if um CBD would help arthritis not sure I can tell you I mean I have arthritis as well Paul um and I can tell you that my diet seems to help me um if I get if I if I eat less carbs I don't necessarily need to be carb-free, but if, if it seems like if I eat a lot of carbs, and it kind of makes sense because your body turns carbs into sugar quicker than it does proteins or, or fats. And so, if if sugars are causing inflammation in, in the arthritis, then that kind of makes sense. Now, I'm not a doctor. Even though I want a t-shirt that says I'm a doctor, I'm not a doctor. So, don't take my word for it, alright? Um, I would say if you want to try CBD to see if it helps your, your um, arthritis, then, yeah, no problem. No problem. See if it, see if it helps. You know, no problem with that. Um, so, again, if you're here for the very first time, really glad to have you here. Um, we have a question from Scrooge's wife. Scrooge's wife has been with us before. Um, says john 14 uh, 12 is it saying works as a spiritual meaning how we think or is it more literal as Jesus was our example literally doing what he did act towards other people all right well, let's take a look at this so it's john 14 12. Uh, uh, and then let me t- let's take a look at this We'll read it together and then we'll go back and look at, your, look at your question. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do greater works than these. He will do, because I go to my Father. Yeah, that's great. Um, Alright. So, let's bring your question back in. Well, let's do it this way. Let's go back over to this screen. I think your question is still there. Yeah. Alright. Um, John 14, 12 is he saying works as in spiritual, meaning how we think, or is it more literal, as Jesus was our example literally do um, do what he did and act towards other people. Thank you, Scrooge's wife. I appreciate that. Tell Scrooge I said hi. Um, I think it's a number. So, greater works is he going to do, if you believe in me. Jesus rose people from the dead and Paul woke up a guy from the dead that fell asleep during his sermon and fell out a window. Now, that's a, that's a bad preaching time. When you're preaching and somebody falls out a window and dies, and Paul raised him from the dead. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. I think that was in Caesarea Philippi. Um, those are the two accounts that come to my mind. Jesus raised f- uh, three people from the dead. The young man in the funeral service, the little girl, Tabitha Kumi, Talitha Kumi, The little girl arise, Jairus' daughter, and Lazarus. Um, Have there been other people that have been risen from the dead that we don't know about? Maybe. One thing for sure, there's been a lot more miracles done by the church in 2,000 years than Jesus ever did. So, if that's the way that he's talking about it. What I don't know here, if we go back to the page here, is what that word greater. Is there anything we could learn from the Greek of that greater? Is it greater in significance or greater in number? Is there any way to know? There's no way for us to know unless we put it in a sentence in English. But there might be in Greek. And I don't know what that is. But I've always taken it as being greater in number. That there's a greater number of people. Okay. So thank you, uh, Scrooge's wife. I appreciate your question. Um, We have a question from Heavenbound. Glad to have you heaven bound with us. Um, do you believe that the promises in the Old Testament are for believers today? Isaiah, um, um, i.e. Isaiah 43.2. All right, so Isaiah 43.2. Let me get to Isaiah. All right, 43.2. Yeah, Isaiah 4 All right, let me put this up on the screen here. Heaven bound. Let's take a look at it. Um, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not grow. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's go back a little bit. Let's see how far I got to go back. Okay. All right, so this is the Redeemer of Israel. Um, um, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. So, Jacob is a term for Israel, the nation of Israel. And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So, here's the, here's the thing, heaven bound. First of all, this is a promise to Israel. This is a promise to the nation of Israel. And where does it apply? Does it apply when they are right with him? Remember, there was the mountain of blessings and cursings. And if they did everything God told them to do, then they would never have anything bad happen to them. But if they didn't do it, they would be cursed. They would find themselves cursed. And they didn't do what God wanted them to do, and they found themselves cursed. Now, you take a passage like this, and um, you're going through a difficulty. And someone says to you, um, "When you pa- God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Can I rebuild that in other places? Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So, I will be with you when you go through the waters. Is it literally for me? And can, can someone get obnoxious? And I consider... These, I consider these kind of statements obnoxious. Um, the passage that says, um, uh, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts for you to prosper and to succeed and, and to, um, w- whatever the rest of that is. And this one goes, that's to Israel and not to them. But can I rebuild that verse? I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Ephesians 1 says, those who believe he predestines. Isn't that thoughts towards me? Thoughts for me to succeed. We've got a broader promise in, in Psalms that if I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water, if I meditate on the word of God, I will, whatever I put my hands to will prosper. Was that just Israel? Can I rebuild these things in in the New Testament? And we prosper in spiritual things, not prospering like the, the, the you know, false teachers of the prosperity movement say. Okay? So, um... I think you can find encouragement and strength in them where the literal answer would be it's written to Israel. Can God still, can we rebuild it from other places and say that that's true and it's something I can receive? Yes, we can. All right. Um, I'm just going to bring in Mark's comment here. We're going to read it and we're going to wrap things up. If you guys have any questions, I'm going to go to the end of the comment section. Now, one of of you has to care whether or not I I want to know whether my sounds are working, all right? So, if you can't hear that, then at the end of this, you know, thing, just write in now, yes or no, all right? Um, So, Mark was talking about his school not being able to share Christ. and Is there ways he can do it? He said, I've not run into it. However, we have been warned about organizing or leading prayer. The thing that really gets me is there is a student organization which has been given a dedicated space for them to pray five minutes a day. Myself and other teachers have been brainstorming on how to share the word. Thank you for taking time for my question. You're welcome, Mark, and may the Lord really bless you in the work that you're doing there with those kids. All right, now, before I sign off here, because we're done, and if you have a question, I'm gonna look for these questions for a future Q&A in the front. A lot of people here today. Um, So right now, I'm at the end of it. Empress Kimberly just said yes. Oh, you can. So you're saying yes. You can hear the music, right? Yes, we hear you. Kimberly says, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's wonderful. And now, I don't know whether I'll use these because if I do. Oops. It might be really dorky, right? Do a trumpet sound. Right now, these are the sounds I've got. I got that one. I got that one. I got the joke one, which is one I could use when you know someone tells a joke, and I got that one. So, all right. So, thank you guys. Thanks for putting up with me. I'm just trying to get my studio completely functional, and um, I really appreciate you guys. Appreciate your questions. Stay close to Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. Endeavor to walk in the Spirit. The rest of tonight, and then tomorrow, walk more in the Spirit than you did today. And by this we know we know Him that we keep His commandments. So, if there's something that God's convicting you on, then do whatever you've got to do, even if it's radical, to get it out of your life. All right. So, I am signing off. I will see you guys later. Stay close to Jesus.